And you're on the panel on RNZ National, Leone Freeman and Alan Blackman with me this afternoon. Nice to be with you. More than half of all Kiwi families will soon be eligible for support to cover the cost of childcare. The childcare subsidy is a payment to help families with the cost of preschool childcare. The income threshold to be eligible for the assistance hasn't changed since 2010. So, for example, depending on income, a sole parent with two preschoolers will save $92 a week in childcare costs. A couple with two preschoolers will save $200 and $52 per week. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern also confirmed the amount the family tax credit will increase by next year. From April, the payment will increase by $9 a week for the eldest child to $136 a week and by $7 a week for subsequent children to $111 a week. With us is Dr. Sarah Alexander from the Office of Early Childhood Education, Dr. Alexander Kiora. So, uh, nice to be with you. Uh, nice to have you on, Sarah. So, a big increase in eligibility to cover the cost of childcare. Yes. How will this impact uh, your sector? It's significant, and it sounds really, really good. It's it's mm. brilliant, and you know, my my first thought, you know, when I heard the news was about. Time, You know, we've been waiting for so long. You know, we expected this to happen, you know, maybe three years ago um, because the, the number of families um, eligible for the childcare subsidy um, has been decreasing. Um, and in fact, it's, it's halved since 2010. It's halved since 2010? Yep, there are only about 25,000 um, children now that are supported by the childcare subsidy compared to about 50,000 back in 2010. So, you know, it's about time that the, the uh, income thresholds for families were lifted um, and definitely more families could potentially benefit, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always a but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of things to note, um, you know, regretfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that, you know, that this is it's exciting news and it's significant, but... To what extent will families actually experience more money in their pocket? To what extent will it actually tackle the cost of living? You know, it's po- my thoughts are that quite possibly it might not make much difference. Because, because will the childcare centres, will the sector raise their fees? Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's because the subsidy is paid directly to the early childhood service. Um, and uh. many early childhood services have been holding off and holding off for a long time now uh, in regards to you know increasing fees because there is fierce competition for children. Um, so there is competition amongst services to charge the offer the lowest fees. But, you know it's very hard for them to increase their fees. Um, and they've also, and also, there are services that feel very sorry for families, and for that reason, they don't want to increase their fees either, um, because they know families can't afford. But with the childcare subsidy, um, it's basically government paying early childhood services <laughs> to increase oh. the fees, and the parents might not notice much difference. Okay, so you're saying don't be surprised if there is a bump in your fees. You get that, uh, you have a, you have a, uh, some childcare aged children. You get a newsletter, fees will increase in the next 
while or so. Yeah, fees will increase, right. but you might end up, if you're eligible for the subsidy, and more people will be eligible for the subsidy, you may not actually end up paying any much more. Mm. I mean, um, childcare you know, child is the biggest in-work expense of families, isn't it? I mean, I know uh, personally it is considerable. Yeah. It's really, yeah. it's so considerable. There needs to be some relief and pressure, surely. Yeah, it is. And, and what you'd know is that um, it's not just the fees that you pay when you uh, have your child in care, but there are other costs as well. Um, there's the potential travel costs, you know, the costs of petrol <laughs> or bus or whatever you use yeah. for, for, getting your, for getting yourself to work, getting your child to care. There's also sickness. Um, children tend to be sick more often. And, you know, as I found in our family, um, it affects the whole family, mm. <laughs> you know, husbands as well. You know, when one child gets sick, everybody gets sick. And you can all end up with days off work, missed income, um, medical bills and so on. There's also tiredness and stress. And, you know, the number of, you know, I'm, I'm through that stage now, I haven't had five kids, but, you know, I can still remember the days of just every day being tired because you're working and you're caring for your child after work, you know, um, and, and just trying to juggle everything. So there are there are costs as well for parents and, and being back, back to work. All right. Um, Panel, Leonie. Yeah, well, we know that childcare is such a critical component of um, the family and particularly to get people back to work. Um, so, you know, this sounds like a, a positive thing. But, you know, one of the things I, I was reflecting on this with my team at lunch today and, um, you know, one of them said to me, they're part of a childcare in the city. And I'd be interested on your opinion, Sarah. And that's mm-hmm. had to close suddenly because not because of lack of kids or lack of um, parents wanting to pay fees, but because they haven't been able to get enough technical uh, or the in, insufficient trained teachers. Um, so mm. I sense there's a bigger issue here, isn't there? Um, it's not just about the childcare fees. There must be some big challenges in the sector um, uh, for, for these centres not to be able to get enough teachers. There, there are significant, and, you know, teachers as is, is part of it. You know, we're waiting on government to deliver its promise to provide pay parity for early childhood teachers mm. and primary school teachers. It's yet to do that. Um, you know, over the last nine or so years, our surveys that we've done have con- fairly consistently shown that teachers are very unhappy uh, in their employment in the sector. You know, there are issues to do with um, poor work conditions, bullying, low pay. Um, so, you know, if we can address the pay issue, that at least would mm. tick, tick one of the boxes to try and retain our, our qualified and our wonderful experienced teachers. And that's an um, issue, is it? Is, that, is, 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 is retention a big issue in the childcare sector? Yes, retention's a big issue, mm. and that's something that the, the government's not really, has, has, has failed to pay attention to. And, and what I see now is actually, <laughs> I haven't talked about this yet, um, potential for, you know, you've heard that, you know, primary sector is possibly going to have an oversupply of um, staff. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I see we've got regulation changes coming up for our early childhood sector. Um, currently, services are required to have, to have 50% early childhood qualified staff. Now, when those changes come, come through, there I fear that the Ministry of Education may have recommended to the Minister that, um, that that be changed to include primary school teachers so that we can take up some of those teachers that can't get jobs in the primary school sector. 
Um, okay, that's interesting. That's yeah. an issue because, you know, primary school teachers aren't trained uh, when it comes to nappies and... <laughs> it's a very different... And, and working um, very yeah. different situations, you know, that we're not working in classrooms. Oh, no, 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 that very acutely, sort of having... Mm. Yeah, no, I understand. Yes, Sarah. So, uh, Alan. Yeah. Sarah, is, is there any sort of uniformity to the sort of early childhood education um, places, I guess, for want of a better word? Um, you know, or, or can anybody just sort of start up one of these? Um, you know, I, I, I presume there must be some sort of regulation or something along the line, but, you know, yeah. are, are, are they all pretty much of a muchness or will they all do different things? Or? Oh, and in, in terms of... Um the, the sector itself is pretty centers, diverse yeah. because we've got play centres, we've mm. got Kohangareo, Fiskaida ah, okay. Language Nest. Right. Um, the majority, though, are what we call teacher-led services, which are what you would see as the old-fashioned childcare style of service. Except right. now childcare services are required to have a curriculum to ha- employ qualified, early childhood qualified teachers. Um, and are run on the same basis as kindergartens. Ah, okay. Um, you know, okay. so they're really all services now are, are required to have a curriculum, required to be licensed, and meet similar standards. Right. But the philosophy might be different, so, um, and the hours might be different. You know, but what you know, the, this um, the the childcare subsidy increase, as as I said, is really welcomed. Um, but something that uh, the PM said was that you know her big wish is for um, free ECE for all children. Twenty hours free. Yes, well, see that was the promise. I looked it up. That was the promise back in two thousand and five. Yeah. That was Labor's election promise in two thousand and five, and now Jacinda's saying that in <laughs> in two thousand and twenty-two. Um, you know, back then national. <laughs> um, Luxton should actually have a chat with Bill English, who's now Nat, who was then Nat's um, spokesperson for early childhood education back in 2005, because back then Labor was actually arguing uh, against targeting um, parents um, to get back into paid work, um, and they were saying, "No, you know, we'll, we'll, we will provide 20 hours free ECE. That's right. Yes, early childhood education is a good in its own right, and it doesn't matter if parents are working or not." Um, you know, now the situation is quite different because the ch- increase in the childcare subsidy that's just been announced, um, the PM has has um, described that in terms of we want to support parents to have the choice to be back at work. And the scenarios that she's given is for children to be in care for 47 and a half hours a week. Right. <laughs> that's a long time. So that's how desperate I think our government's becoming um, to try to solve the labour shortage that, yep. you know... This is all about targeting parents. Sarah, very nice to have you on to explain uh, that, and uh, let's see what happens with those fees, whether or not they do, in fact, increase. But for now, Mm. uh, Dr Sarah Mm. Alexander, kia ora, thank you. Uh, And Sarah's from the Office of Early Childhood Education, 18 past four. Now, as we speak, secondary school students across the country are packing halls and viciously, (laughs) perhaps, trying to get those last few sentences of their essay done in time. That's right, it's NCEA time. This is the third year in a row that exams have been disrupted by COVID. Uh, Though with the sense of normality beginning to seep in this year, there's less of a safety net in place for students this time around. There'll be bonus credits awarded to account for the impacts of COVID, but beyond that, kids will largely be left 
to their own devices. President of the Secondary Principles Association of New Zealand is Vaughan uh, Kulo. Uh, Vaughan Kyoto, welcome. Kia ora, how are you? Good. Now, paint a picture for us. How different is it for students going into NCEA exams this year, today, as opposed to last year? Uh, significantly different. So this year and today is very much uh, similar to before COVID. Uh, so students have had Term 3 to prepare, they've had prelims, they've had revision lessons. If you think back to last year, for example, most of uh, the upper part of the North Island didn't even have a Term 3. Uh, and so yeah. our ability to engage and prepare was significantly disadvantaged. This year, that hasn't happened. There was quite a lot of disruption in the front half of the year, and that's what the learning recognition credits are in play to help address. But it is getting closer and closer to business as usual. How do you? What, what sense do you get um, from what you hear or speaking there? What, what sense do you get from the pupils themselves and how they're faring through all this? Yeah, so we've, it's a first day today, right? So we had yeah. level two physics kids that I was talking to this morning, um, and and you can't get away completely from that pre-exam anxiety, right? So there's always been some piles of grief, <laughs> totally. whether it's a, whether it's a driving test, visiting the dentist, yeah. you know, going to the optometrist, whatever. Anytime someone is weighing and measuring you, uh, you feel a little bit anxious. So so you can't get away from that. Uh, but I don't, I don't believe the students that I was talking to today had anywhere near the sort of COVID or pandemic anxiety that the kids I spoke okay. to a year ago experienced. Oh, that's interesting. Alan, you, you'd be familiar with this. <laughs> and um, Vaughan's just remind me of how anxious I'd get pre-exam. Yeah, just yeah. just that almost feel kind of levitating into the hall. <laughs> <laughs> levitating. Yeah. Yeah. You go, oh, you're mnemonics, <laughs> mnemonics, you know, all yeah. those alphabets. Trying to remember. You're trying to yep. remember. And then you open the exam paper and you either think, Blank. oh, yes, or no. Or, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, and it all hinges on that first page. Like, yes, yep, it I'm does. I'm going to be okay. Or, oh, oh dear. But, um, yeah, the, I guess sort of universities have maybe been affected more than the schools, dare I say it, because there are certainly still, I mean, Auckland University is still having all of their um, second semester exams online. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, I, real, I really feel for all of the, the students who have had to go through NCA and also had to go through university um, during these last three years or, the, you know, since 2020, um, simply because I guess in terms of the universities, I, I, you know, we noticed it particularly that really the students didn't have in-person exams in 2020 mm. and 2021. So really this year is the big year for them because they are now sort of being hit with these you know, for, foreign things that they really haven't haven't done by themselves, that they haven't done in a room with, you know, with other students. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I've got a. You're talking about my son, to be perfectly fair. In the last two years, he's been in high school, and yep. this year he's at university. Yep. Actually, uh, what's the time? Uh, at five o'clock today, he's sitting an exam. It's yep. an online exam. They'll be doing. Uh, doing it's chemistry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> health and physical education is my favorite. And uh, no pressure from me. Um, but, but yeah, you're absolutely right. So his his experience of exams. Uh, and his cohort of students across the country, their experience has been quite unique, oh, been yes. quite disruptive. Mm. Yep, uh, whether whether uh. that is a good thing or a bad thing, only time will tell, right? Because mm. you know, my son's argument is when there's a problem that you face in the workforce or in life, you don't sit in a room by yourself 
and try and work it out. Actually, you collaborate and talk to other people. You go and oh, do wow. some research. You mm. get involved in some groupthink. Uh, and that's what they've sort of had to do over COVID. So it will be mm. interesting to see whether we have created accidentally a group of better collaborators or worse. Mm. That's mm. very yeah, interesting. I've never heard it before. That's a very interesting insight, Leonie. Yeah, actually, my um, my nephew's at the same stage as your, your son, yeah. Um, yeah. Vaughan. He's just doing exams this week at Auckland University, yep. and I was surprised yep. that they were online, but he yep. said to me that the thinking was because they had to make some decisions quite early in the yes. year, yep. they thought mm. it was safer to have to say to everyone, right, they're going to be online. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. The challenge, he said to me, was because uh, mm. I encouraged him as soon as he could go back to lectures to go back to lectures and yeah, he said a lot of the students have have not gone to actual lectures so yep. I think that's a change as well and um, because there's a lot of benefit to being in the room listening oh, to questions yes, you know having yes, that debate yes. um, because that's that's what you're touching on Vaughan that your son said about it's the discussion and the debate rather than sitting in isolation learning mm. so um, yeah, a lot of yeah, things to come ab- from absolutely. that Absolutely, and, and your nephew and my son could probably be the same person in terms of yeah. Yeah. Uh, because my boy He's doing science, back though. Into oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, my dad. Um, so my son couldn't wait to get back into lectures. He yeah, no, exactly. Whereas my daughter is a little bit more relaxed about learning by herself. So yeah. it's very, very... Um, uh, independent and personalised yeah. in terms of how things work and what, what's the best way. Nice to have you on, Vaughan Kiora. Thank you for your time. Uh, that is the Secondary Principals Association of New Zealand, Vaughan Kiolo. And you, just before we move on, Alan, you are a big endorser of um, in-situ learning. Yes. Mm. Am I ab- correct? Absolutely, yes. Why, yep. why, why is that? Oh, because, well... Okay, so you're in a lecture, you're stuck there for 50 minutes, you know, and yeah, you might have your phone to fiddle around on or something like that, but at least you're there absorbing something. Mm. If you've got to watch a video of a lecture, you've got every distraction in the book. I couldn't sit and watch me for 50 minutes. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) So what, you know, what chance have the students got? I'd like to know research... I'd like to know research around that, though, you know? Uh, well, uh, it, it, it will be coming. You, there's, yeah, well, there's absolutely no doubt about that. You know, all, of, all the educationalists will be out there and they'll be doing surveys and this, that and everything, all, all about, you know, the effectiveness of online mm. teaching, not online learning, online yeah. teaching. Um, versus in-class teaching. So. And also because I've heard from a lot of the lecturers that a lot of the students have their camera off, so you're sitting there yep. at a computer yes. doing your lecture yep. and you've got no yep. you've just got faces. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, I've done a bit of lecturing in the past. Um, and <laughs> Amongst every other thing in yeah, the yeah, book. Yeah. Yeah. You're oh, amazing, I love, I love lecturing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a bit of my contribution to the sector. But, you know, I love the fact that you can get some interaction. I'd find it really of hard course. if I was sitting just to All a right. blank screen. Yeah. Yep. Very good, thank you. Uh, um, Alan Blackman and Leonie Freeman with us uh, this afternoon. It is 26 past four. Well, as you know, I <laughs> wanted a question from you and yeah. overrun with uh, texts. I tried to make oven-baked potatoes yesterday, uh, soggy and soft, quote-unquote, was how they were generously described. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love cooking, I really do, but I cannot and never have been able to cook crispy golden taties. And how do you do it? And um, we had a person, we've got amongst the many, um, who uh, texted me and emailed, Rachel said, Wallace, this 
will change your life. <laughs> so Rachel is with us now. Go Welcome Rachel. to Go the Rachel. panel, Rachel. <laughs> Hi, Wallace. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Never thought I'd be on the panel talking about the controversial topic of how to make the best crispy potatoes, but here I am. Well, you know, you can talk about um, NCEA, but we've been overrun with tatey questions uh, <laughs> and, uh, and information, I tell you what. So... And it is something, it's been a bit of a bugbear of mine because I pride myself in cooking. I can't get this right. What am I not doing? What should I be doing, Rachel? Okay, so first step is to parboil your potatoes. I like to keep the skin on because I find that's an extra element of crisp. Same, skin on, Um, yep. Skin on, parboil them. So that means you want them to be soft if you put a knife through them, but not crumbling not cooked so much that they crumble apart. Mm. And then next, once that's done, put them in a plastic bag, if you can find one. Um, (laughs) This this, this is the point of difference. So put them in a plastic bag with plenty of butter, good plug of olive oil, fresh herbs, garlic, if that's what you're into, and give them a vigorous um, shake. So you actually want to break them up a bit. Um, they'll Ooh. squash and smash a bit Ooh. and Ooh. Then, then you put them in your hot oven and um, there's plenty of um, yeah, smashed up bits and surface area to crisp up This, wow. this sounds delicious Are you a chef? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm not a chef, no but um, I'm on maternity leave so I have plenty of time to <laughs> practice <laughs> I, can hear the, I can hear the wee, the gorgeous wee one in the background yeah. Rachel um, now, uh, can you can you um, uh, can you entrust that if I follow your recipe, I'll be able to make um, delicious potatoes? You have my word, Wallace. You can um, <laughs> you, you can um, hold me to it. Yeah, and your life will change. Yeah, yeah. this is life changing, Wallace. Yeah. Right. I think Rachel, we need Wallace to report back. Absolutely. Okay, yes. I'll report back yep. next week. You know, after the weekend. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Rachel, for that um, for that recommendation. So the plastic bag, uh, you, you say, is the difference. I, I, yeah, well, you're sort of mixing everything up. Mm. Yeah. I don't actually, I don't actually know why, to be honest. Um, but it works. Nice but it works. Good on you, Rachel. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Um, because it is, it's, it's back to that sort of whole notion, Leone, yeah. where there's, there's often one thing missing in your cooking repertoire that you can't do. Yeah. I guess because I see Mum, and she makes these extraordinary potatoes. And a lot of people of her generation as well. Mm. Yep, you, my, you go, my dad, you, you he can make mean? crispy potatoes. So, yeah. You just baste it with What's the juices with from the roast. So wh- why hasn't your mother told you her secret <laughs> recipe? That's what I'm wondering about. <laughs> yep. Well, the thing is, she has, but I, I've tried it, oh. and it doesn't replicate. That's oh. why I'm interested. That's why I called mm. for suggestions today. I just can't do it. What is it? So maybe the plaster bag. Anyway, do you? can you cook crispy potatoes? No, I can't. Yeah, no. You see? Three of us. Yeah, me not. No, um, me not. Me Wallace, neither. you have to use agria. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Oh, it's, it's about the, the spud, uh, says someone. Or uh, the caller is precisely... Correct. A parboil first. Uh, there you go. Cool. All right. Interesting mm-hmm. stuff. No um, pressure, Wallace, no pressure. to you know, I, I, come back with good mm, cooked I, potatoes. I will report back. I will report back. Anyway, <laughs> you're on the panel, RNZ National. I am with Alan Blackman and Leonie Freeman.